Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into another edition of Big Ten Plus Four, College Sports with a Midwest Perspective, Blue Collar and Blue Blood. I'm Dalton Shetler, Sam Sprunger smirking behind the cup over there on your other screen if you're joining us in the visual medium. What you got, Sam? I'm acting like I am Wilson from was uh, Home Improvement. Why do you oh, owe over their the neighbor? fence. <laughs> How do you owe their neighbor? <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, we, we got a pretty special show today, and the reason why it's special, yeah. Sam, can you feel it? Yes, I can, because you know what? It's kind of like it's my birthday next week, so it's like, ooh, and it kind of, that's the buildup, because that usually my birthday hits. Yes, I had to go back to school as a kid right around, you know, after my birthday, so it bummed me out. But I knew football season was coming. That was the big thing. College yep. football season. Woo! And that's the thing. And and besides Sam's birthday, the other thing on the calendar that you look at and you're like, oh, it's time. The Big Ten Media Days. That happened this week. Uh, I was able to be down there, Radio Row, able to talk to a lot of people. So what we want to do is recap a lot of what happened at Big Ten Media Days and preview the upcoming Big Ten football season. And go ahead, Sam. Is it is is the Big Ten Media Days, and I hope that maybe at some point Big Ten Plus Four or whatever our name is down the road, uh, you know, <laughs> as we go, we might be able to attend, you know, that. But is, is, is that similar to, like, the, the radio row for the Super Bowl, just at a smaller scale then? Yes, I would say so. Um, radio Row is always an interesting place. Um, a lot of times, you, you've gotten to know a lot of the people over the years, so you see a lot of mm-hmm. the same characters. But it's uh, it's it's its own environment. Radio right. Row is, and all the guests kind of filtering in and out and everything. Um, I'd say there's less sponsored or endorsed. I was going to say that interviews. minus the sponsoring. You know, they're doing interviews simply to sell something. These guys are there because a they kind of have to be. Correct. So they're just making their way around to everybody that wants to talk or whatever. So you just see one forced player or coach pick up from one table, move to the next, move to the next, and just kind of move down radio row. But yeah, no, it's it's its own experience. And then, of course, they have the podium stuff. Um, there was a lot that kind of happened over this, and, and we'll go through some of that. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me, Sam, there wasn't as much talk as I figured on USC and UCLA. There was some talk. It it was a point, but I thought when Commissioner Kevin Warren was at the stand to start off the Big Ten Media Days, that was going to be brought up, brought up, brought up. And I think it was brought up a couple of times, but I I don't know if you've ever paid attention to Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. And by paying attention, I mean like really listen to how he answers questions, but he's very good at going his way. Deflecting? Yes, He's very good at taking a question and giving the answer he wants to give. Um, and so we, we had a lot of that. Um, not as much about the, the USC and UCLA um, joining the Big Ten in 2024, um, but we did talk a little bit with the Peach Bowl CEO, Gary Stokin, about conference realignment, playoff expansion. And he was very honest that right now 
he goes, look, the world just kind of sits and waits on Notre Dame. Like we've been talking about Sam. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> first off, I didn't realize representatives from bowl games went to media days for the conferences. They do. They do. And not all of them do, but some do. And the Peach Bowl is like, out of all the bowl games, I've seen the Peach Bowl, and, and part of it is Michigan State was in the bowl game last year for the Peach right. Bowl against Pittsburgh. But Gary Stoken is on every campus 365 days a year. Like, I've seen that guy everywhere. <laughs> No kidding. Well, he, he wants to make sure to get the, the peach bowl word out, I guess. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but like all of the information, are we still waiting for the other dominoes to fall until Notre Dame or our conferences or let's say the Big Ten, they want to add some more teams and they want Notre Dame in there, but they get to the point where it's like, look, we can't wait or we don't want to wait and miss out on these other teams or these other schools. Is there a point where they give Notre Dame kind of the, you need to join now or we're, we're moving or is Notre Dame that big of a needle mover that it's critical to get them? Yeah, I, I think it's critical to get them, but uh, to get them, but I do believe the belief too is the consensus is that unless the motivating factor is panic the Big Ten doesn't want to add anybody else right now because uh, nobody else really moves the needle enough where like you're just going to have the same size pie and you're just going to have to slice it up amongst more people if you add schools right now that aren't Notre Dame. Like that's the consensus belief. The only reason I can think of that the Big Ten would grab a couple schools at the moment, given everything we know, is just because they're afraid the SEC is going to grab a couple schools and it just turns into kind of this uh, match back and forth. But, but their to, main I focus is the, Notre Dame. Everybody's main focus right now. I think Notre Dame could be the key to ACC survival. And by survival, I mean staying competitively with the Big Ten and SEC. I mean, they'll, they'll be a step behind even with Notre Dame years sure. down the road. But just to even be in that same league, um, I think Notre Dame would be a game changer for the Big Ten. And I don't really see the route that sends Notre Dame to the SEC. Um, but that that's that's the big thing. Does Notre Dame stay independent? Do they save the ACC? Or do they do they send the Big Ten and catapult them maybe above the SEC? I mean, that's that's the three things to watch here with Notre Dame. And see, it's still just all up in the air because of what Notre Dame has done recently. Mm -hmm. You know, and granted, they 30% of the years of the last decade, they've gone to a playoff of some sort, but they've, mm -hmm. you know, so were summarily dismissed very quickly once they got there. Uh, but that's not, they still made it it's three more times than Purdue made it. So I guess I can't, you know, I can't argue with that, but at the same time, they're expected to be year in and year out. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that Notre Dame is, I mean, obviously they're a needle mover or we wouldn't be talking about them, you know, and they wouldn't be able to, to flex their muscle, whatever it is, uh, to try to get NBC to give them at least $75 million a year combined with the Big 12 or whatever, you know, so they have a more respectable way to stay independent. They're getting paid less, mm -hmm. but they're, they get that autonomy. Be autonomous, I don't care. I really, honestly, I don't. But I think being honest about it, they're not going to be around in the playoffs if they don't. 
I said that last week too. I don't think they there's I I think there's little to zero chance because look at the size of these conferences that are going to be coming up. You could have to play your entire conference or schedule as a conference schedule. There's mm-hmm. no room for Notre Dame. Correct. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of eyes on South Bend to see what happens out of that. Uh, shifting over a couple other conversations, the director of Big Ten officials, Bill Carollo, and, and we'll get to actual on-the-field stuff. That's going to be next segment where we talk about the Absolutely. upcoming year, and, and we'll break down kind of what we're expecting. Uh, but some other housekeeping things or unique things, Bill Carollo, director of Big Ten football officials, uh, had stated there's a couple rule changes. One is... Uh, Are they actually players- interesting? One's not, one is. Um, the <laughs> not enough. so interesting to me is the player's legs cannot be shown anymore. You either have to have pants all the way down or socks all the way down. Um, so no more the player's legs. I'm, I'm not sure what motivated it. I didn't get to ask that question. I learned about it after I talked to him, and I was like, huh. Um, but You know what's funny is you totally answered my question without me saying a word. Yeah, I, I saw it on your face, and I'm like, no, I, it's a it makes zero sense it it makes zero sense but whatever i did learn some things though um like one is speaking with equipment and whatnot do you know why they they do the clear visors if players are allowed to wear visors at all they got rid of the tint visors I, i i i don't know he explained that it's so that an official can see the player's face in case they're maybe suffering from concussion or something like that, it's so you can grab. You don't like, want to. Hey. You don't want to take the helmet off because of a potential head injury. So you, that that you know what that makes that a ton makes of sense. a ton of sense. Yeah. So that may, who knows? Maybe there's something like that behind this. I have no idea what it is. But the interesting rule change: huh. uh, defensive holding is automatically a first down next year. And maybe that's more lukewarm, interesting. Maybe not. No, no, that wasn't. So in college, it's not an automatic first down. Hadn't been. Okay, because in the NFL, it is. It's a five-yard automatic first down. So before, it was just a five-yard, and that was it. If it didn't get you the first down, Mm -hmm. play the down over. (laughs) The the other thing um, that came up in conversation uh somebody down there my partner down there had asked about faking injuries and how that's been a thing in college football i mean yeah. you look to the sideline you can see coaches kind of waving down and a player who had no contact on the previous play just drops over. the turf like i mean that's it's been a thing a little bit and it's kind of a hard area to operate right because what are you laughing <laughs> some, at some of these some of these players they choose to do this are horrible actors uh-huh it's true <laughs> but but some of the conversation is how do you how do you legislate this how do you officiate this because if somebody's hurt you can't really it's not something that you can have any margin of error with if somebody says they're hurt like you have to take that serious because yeah. on the other end if they are hurt and they're acting like they're not or whatever. Like that's a big no, no. And especially as we continue to try and shape the, the health of, of the game and, and help out student athletes and how banged up football makes them. But uh, the, the real quick, the, uh, the thing he talked about, there have been proposals thrown around ideas thrown around. Uh, do you punish that player where he can't get in the rest of the drive? 
uh, is the player out for the half? Like just tossing ideas out there and seeing, and he goes, but the, the common theme and the flaw is the punishment always goes on the player. And the player doesn't want to do that. The player is being directed mm -hmm. by the coach. And there's no proposal or idea at the moment that puts the accountability on the coach, not on the player. And so trying to find out how to, to make that a thing, do you take a timeout away from a coach? That's maybe an idea, but still, like, it's is that too harsh? Like, you're trying you to work you that can't throw You can't throw a penalty flag either because that's punishing the players on the field yes you know at the same time so yeah yeah that's a difficult uh because i was sitting there thinking trying to think you know is that like a 10 yard penalty or something but then that uh, yeah because even if the if player did want to you know fake an injury he's still not the you know the coach so yeah the coach is the one that ultimately it falls back on and and as of now, there's no way to put that accountability on him. Remove so. a finger. We'll cut their pinky off. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reasonable thing I've heard. You, I, um. <laughs> you know what? I have ideas. All they have to do is contact me. We'll take care of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, so those were some of the different things that, that came out outside of the actual football talk. But uh, with with what that in was mind, the, yeah. well, let me ask this before we move on, since this, mm -hmm. you know, the second segment's football, you know, yes. the season. How was the food there? Was it good? I didn't get a chance to eat either day. Wow. So, yeah. So, uh, so it was not very good for you. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the I can only answer on my own experience. So I'm going to put an N slash A. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a very busy event, but uh, nonetheless, Your food we got came at the about. end of the day when everybody, everything was gone hours ago. Huh? It was a sad, lonely meal at the end of the night, <laughs> and just kind of allowed me to recuperate just enough for the next Standing day. Standing in your hotel room at the sink, you know, eating pudding, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's kind of staring at myself in the mirror while doing it too. Where have <laughs> I gone? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, hey, funny. it's the. Uh, I'm just, I'm just teasing. You from know. from what I hear, there was pulled pork and brats, though. So see now, for you to say that and not be really extremely angry right now, I don't think you like pulled pork and brats as much as I do, fella. Because right now, I'd be pretty ticked. <laughs> I do, but here's the thing: the Big Ten media gifts came in. I actually got it behind me. Uh, so when you checked in and got your credential, they, they usually give some kind of gift or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was some kind of book bag, but there's like three of them in there of different sizes. It's like a Russian doll set of big 10 book no bags. No kidding. Yeah. Um, but also they nesting gave out dolls, Russian nesting dolls, nesting dolls. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but they also gave out beef jerky in those bags. Ooh. So did it have the big 10 logo about. on it? No, it was old trapper. So they must've oh, made okay. it. <laughs> sponsorship <laughs> yep but uh yeah so the the beef jerky is how i lived for 48 but, yeah, hours well that's probably why they put it in there they're like you know uh, a lot of these people getting these bags are gonna be doing nothing but working let's put some jerky in here some sad person is just going to be running around and he's going to need to chew some dried out meat. We'll meat. know who they are because they'll just be walking around gnawing on a piece of jerky, just looking like they're lost. That's how you could have found me. Shirt, shirt half tucked in. and. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
shoot. So uh, that, that's some of the different things from Media Day. But when we come back for the second quarter, we're going to get into some of the Big Ten divisions. We'll split it up. We'll go west in this next segment. So Big Ten West football coming up right after the whistle. Whistle. Big Ten West football. And the, the thing about this is the West may be more wide open than it has wild, in previous years. West. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, West. And we've talked about before, and, and Phil Steele has said that the West is open for five different teams. You can make the argument for five different teams to win the West division. Now, as the unofficial media poll came out from Cleveland.com, uh, the favorite still is Wisconsin in the West Division. I see an eyebrow raise. What, what, what do you got there, I'm just Sam? looking at Dustin Schutte's top, uh, or the way he, he says they're going to finish, and he's got Wisconsin third in the West. Third in the West. Okay, well, let's let's keep going. I'll go yeah. through the media poll and then go through the Schutte poll, and we'll see where sure. we're at. Sure. Schutte, of course, a good friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin won in the West. Iowa came in second by the media voting. Minnesota third, Purdue fourth, Nebraska fifth, Illinois sixth, Northwestern seventh. What does the shooty poll have? Shooty has Iowa one, Minnesota two, Wisconsin, like I mentioned, three, Purdue at four, Nebraska at five, Illinois at six, Northwestern at seven. So after the top three, he falls in line with the, what the media says. But a shake up there at the top, and that's what we mean. There's there's not a great mm-hmm. consensus at the moment. So let's ask about the Sam Sprunger poll. How do you see the West? You know, what's funny is I was going over that last night when I saw it. I was like, how would I put those? And I, I know people are going to think I'm probably homerizing this, and I am a little, but I honestly think that the West is wide open enough that this is a feasible and viable top or, t- or seven in the West. So I have Minnesota okay, winning it. Purdue finishing second. Okay. Wisconsin third. Nebraska four. Iowa number five. Illinois and Northwestern. Interesting. Okay. Iowa and now, five. like I said, like I said, well, the reason why I went with them back to the way they performed last year when they were, you know, at such a high level that they, they, they struggled at some very significant points. And I think that it's just, they're going to fall victim, you know, basically Nebraska victim of Nebraska's season last year, where they're going to lose a lot of close games and it's going to, you know, it's going to come out to where it's a subpar year for them. And we've talked about with Nebraska before the stat that they go through last year. They're one and eight in the Big Ten. Right. The point differential is a wash because of how close the losses they had and the one win, how big it was. Uh, The other stat on Nebraska, this is one that that Phil Steele had shared. Nebraska averaged 56 more yards per game in Big Ten action than its opponents. So And went one and eight. I was going to say, based on that formula, Phil says usually a team, if they're plus 56 in yards per game, is six and three or seven and two. That's normally how that equates. Nebraska, one and eight. So they were, again, they, it's just trying to show you that they were right there. They just didn't finish games. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nebraska is really going to be interesting to watch. And of course, they got a new quarterback. Adrian Martinez has gone to Kansas State. Now you bring in Casey Thompson, the tr- uh, the Texas transfer. 
And, and maybe that can kind of revitalize that Nebraska offense. But it's interesting to me um, to, to see how the Cornhuskers do. All of these teams have flaws. Right now with Wisconsin yeah. and Iowa, a lot of the question centers around quarterback play. Wisconsin, we saw Graham Mertz in his first game only have one incompletion. We're like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> and, and then it's kind of went downhill since. And so can he even that out? Because Wisconsin has the best backfield maybe in the Big Ten. I mean, it's the, I, I certainly would put that up there with Bray, uh, Braylon Allen. Do the great running backs just go to Wisconsin? Yes, like it's because everybody, all the other greats have gone there. Like, like think about the amount of running backs that have gone through just Wisconsin in our recent history. Jonathan Taylor, yeah, he's the best. In my opinion, the best running back in the NFL. Like, he's just a monster. I, but Wisconsin, Ron Dane, Wisconsin. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Melvin Gordon. Wisconsin. That's who I was trying to think of. Thank you. Gosh, I could not come up. With it. Thank you. <laughs> so I mean, like all these big name running backs, or a lot of these big name running backs, there's a good chance they went to Wisconsin, you know. And and I guess you you uh, give a tip to the cap of to Barry Alvarez because he kind of started that that kind of you know program in Wisconsin. I can remember Wisconsin being a dumpster fire like Purdue was every year when they had the regular generic block W on their helmet. And then I can remember when they got the streamlined one. Whew. I tell you what, that was one thing I wanted to say uh, last week. I forgot one of the alternate helmets that I would definitely put on the list is the reverse Wisconsin helmet. The red one okay. with the white W. I love that design. It is. It's a clean look. Yeah, it's a clean look. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, I digress. But it's just Wisconsin running backs. My goodness gracious. It, they're there. It's an incredible group that they that they got. So I I don't know when I look at the West and now I really fear for it because we kind of agree at the top. I thought it was going to be a little bit more edgier, but I like Minnesota to, mm -hmm. to win the West if I have to pick. And it's based on experience. Yeah. You bring back Tanner Morgan in his sixth year. You got Mo Ibrahim back. You got Trey Potts back. You got uh, Mariano Sori uh, Marin back at linebacker. Like you have so many experienced veteran pieces on that right. Minnesota team where you're when you're still asking questions about key positions, like at Wisconsin and Iowa, Iowa with Spencer Petras at quarterback. I'm just I'm 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 gonna lose a little bit of confidence and does that mean that Iowa, Wisconsin, and Graham Mertz and, and Spencer Petras can't play up to a level that brings them to a championship? No, they absolutely could. But if I've got to chalk this at the end of July, I'm going to ride the experience right now with Minnesota. Um, I have Wisconsin, too. So I got Wisconsin sitting at second. I want to go Nebraska third, Iowa fourth. And I'm sorry, Purdue fifth. No, I, here's the thing. And, and Dustin even said it in his tweet. He says, I reserve the right to change this 48 times before opening kickoff. Ditto. But like, I totally get it. Everything you just said was completely feasible, but at the same time, you honestly, you, you found mine interesting, but you went, Oh, okay. It could happen that way. Oh, and, and that's like I the West is just absolutely stupid in that aspect to where I could throw out seven an order of teams in, in in with the exception. And you know what? I still don't discount Northwestern. You never know with Pat Fitzgerald teams. You just don't know. But 
it, it, say you keep six and seven the same you put the top five in any order somebody's gonna go yeah okay i could see that yep it's true and that's it's, ridiculous it, <laughs> it is it is it absolutely is um it's interesting too with with purdue I love that you bring Aiden O'Connell back, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing back a quarterback who throws north of 70% completion. Like, ridiculous. Um, but it was funny because uh, we had a chance to talk with him at the media days and uh, asked him a little bit like, you know, so you, you have this wonderful year, you have this wonderful career so far, but the last couple of years you drop back and you're looking out at either a Rondale Moore running on the field or a David Bell <laughs> running on the field. Like if there was talent there to help out. And, and so we asked the question, who steps into those spots? How does that change things? And he cited back to the bowl game this past year with Tennessee. And, and Aiden said, look, we kind of went into that game. We're looking around. We're like, okay, we're not going to have David Bell in this one. There's no Milton Wright in this game. Uh, okay, this is kind of what it looks like next year. Like this is this is kind of how it's going to be. And he goes, so, so if we that's the case, juice. And and they scored 48 points in the overtime win against Tennessee, 48-45. Yeah. Um, but like, like that's the that was the approach. He goes, so we looked around, we're like, okay, this is kind of a, a bit of an experiment, a bit of a test for what next year is going to be. And and it raised their confidence that they came out with 48 points in a bowl win without those playmakers. So they're not short on confidence and it's not necessarily, I don't believe in them. I just know in at Minnesota and a couple of these other schools, I've seen uh, the the players. I've seen Tanner Morgan be successful. I've seen Ibrahim right. be successful when he's healthy. Right. And that's what I'm really just writing on. And, and that's literally it. So it's nothing against Purdue. I've just seen, the experience payout and i've seen the wisconsin running backs run all over the field so that's well I'm you've going. you've been snake bitten by thinking that uh the wisconsin quarterback after one start or one game it's true was gonna be and he struggled well purdue's only been the team of this year one game and it was in a bowl game that where you know you can debate it, it was a heck of a game don't get me wrong my most favorite but there were players who weren't there they weren't full strength so like it's an exhibition game. So yep. basically a preseason game for next for this year was played last year at the bowl game. And I get it, but, but they've only played one game. Yep. So they could be that one team that goes, you know, what is it? Five and one in the, in the West. You know what though? Or they it, go three and three, you know? Here's something important, too, that we need to talk about, especially when we talk with Purdue. And why don't we do this for all the teams? Sure. The schedule. Because I think Purdue's schedule lines up a lot better than some of these other teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is that. Honestly, Dalton, that was part of the reason why I said Purdue would finish higher up in the in the West than what I would normally because their schedule plays out for them. So obviously we're talking West teams here. Purdue's three East games, the, the crossover games. They have Penn State at home. That's not easy, but you're not you're easy. you're going to get somebody from the East, right? Like the beasts of the East: Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. Like that's more than half of the division. You're going to have to play one of them, right? Um, Chances so, are, <laughs> yeah, right. So you get Penn State at home. You're at Maryland, at Indiana. That's for a your good crossover games. Crossover. That's that's about as good as you could possibly ask for. The the really tough one. You get at home. And I don't think at Maryland's a layup. 
Correct. especially with Talia Tungavailoa back and Rakeem Jarrett. But I, I think for what you're asking, that's about as good a scenario as you can, you can get. For what you're expecting from Purdue, so what you're 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 thinking about, okay, that team that played against Tennessee, you know, you're thinking about that team, what you're expecting from them, they should be able to meet beat Maryland, even though it's at Maryland. That's kind of what I'm I'm gathering that yeah. Maryland's not going to be an easy win, but they should win. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that, and and if you take a look at those other four West contenders, Purdue has two of them at home, two on the road at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, but home against Nebraska and home against Iowa. So the Purdue schedule lines up nicely in that aspect. Uh, let's move ahead to Wisconsin for a moment and take a look at the Badgers and how theirs goes. Go the ahead. Wisconsin game for Purdue is their hardest one this year. And I yeah. only say that because they've got to go to Camp Randall rather than go to you know, Happy like, Valley. Go State to Happy one. Valley, correct. Um, for Wisconsin... Uh, the crossover games, home against Ohio State, home against Maryland, at Michigan State. Ooh, geez. So two they out get of three two. ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's how Wisconsin's crossovers look. For the other West contenders, they are they have Purdue at home, Minnesota at home, but they're at Iowa and at Nebraska. And four of the last five weeks – are those games. Holy cow. They play all four of those in five weeks. So th they get through seven games. Well, here, let's just do the back half. So they get through six games and then they go to Michigan state home against Purdue home against Maryland at Iowa at Nebraska home against Minnesota to finish the year. So the, the big 10 Good West will Lord. be determined really probably in that stretch, whether Wisconsin wins it or loses it because those games are all direct uh, indications of how this plays out. Holy cow cow that's that's brutal just for the even if everybody's playing a balanced schedule you know to where everybody plays everybody that's a brutal stretch that is i they come out of that they may give ohio state a run in the championship game which would like, be a rematch which would be a rematch and probably a revenge match for uh wisconsin. for wisconsin because they got to go to the shoe, and that's that's difficult. I'm not saying that they couldn't win, but whoosh, that's going to be tough. Uh, but good lord, they make it out of that last stretch at to end the season. <sighs> yeah, I won't. Scotty. I won't say anybody can't beat Ohio State, but there is a reason why they're double digit favorites by both Vegas and Phil Steele in every single game they're playing this year. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so it, good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and we talk about how you know maybe they. That, what was it what year did they win the national title it was the first uh 2014 playoff. 14 i wanted to say 16 and i knew that wasn't right uh since then they haven't won but good lord they're one of the best teams in the country year in year out they have uh, and and we'll talk about them it's a factory yeah i know it i is. know i know we'll talk um, about them on the other half uh let's hit the rest of those west schedules yeah let's quick. do that um for iowa Iowa, for their crossover games, will have Michigan at home. They are at Rutgers, and they're at Ohio State. That's tough. That's really tough. Rutgers is the is the let up, and they're they're not horrid. I mean, they're they're on their them, way up. Yeah, they're 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 definitely trending upwards rather yes. than downwards. There's still a lot to do, but so that that in of itself makes it a little 
hard. And Piscataway is not a friendly place from what I understand because Purdue goes there and gets beat. So um, <laughs> I've never been, but I don't, I don't have, I'm not going to plan my vacations there. I can say that. <laughs> Because you had so many other reasons to in New Jersey, right? Well, well, there were so many things pulling me towards Piscataway that that one just was like, <laughs> nope, can't do it, won't do it. Um, for Iowa, Ron Harper Jr., you ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout. Um, for the other Big Ten West contenders with Iowa schedule, they are at Purdue. They're home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota, home against Nebraska. That's the final four weeks of the season. They're brutal. Good lord, I, that's a tough stretch. Honestly, I don't know what Purdue's final four games are, but I know it ends with IU, so therefore it can't be that hard. <laughs> not as bad as the other teams. You're not wrong. Hang on, let me. We'll pull up Purdue's final stretch. That way we can kind of compare because these uh, are brutal endings for these two. Those two teams. Listen to this, and this is one you might want to earmark in the podcast when folks are listening back later. Purdue's final four games, as we're talking about the hell that every team's got to go through in the final stretch in the West. Purdue, last four games, home against Iowa, at Illinois, home against Northwestern, at Indiana. That should be three straight wins to cap off the year. Three straight with a potential of a four, at least four ending the season because they can beat Iowa. The, I mean, the, they, are, they are good enough. They did last year. Granted, the the casts have changed a little bit, but I think Purdue didn't weaken near as much as what maybe Iowa did. You know, or there might not be. Well, Purdue needs to find a running game. If they can find a running game, they're going to be a lot more set in that West. I would give them a chance to win the West. And you know what? We we talked with Aiden O'Connell, the Purdue quarterback, a little bit about that, and he goes. You know, I love that we just throw the ball around. Like, we just whip it around the field. Oh, for and he sure. Goes, he goes, we need a running game that just is enough to keep people honest. Yep. That's the goal. It's just yeah. to keep honest. Yeah. They were 14 out of 14, 14th out of 14 teams in, in running yardage yes. per game. 84 and yards a game. Yeah, you got to give more. Like, like you said, make them just enough honest to where, you know, you can run for 120. That means you're busting some big big runs you're yep. keeping that defense those defenses uh you know at bay and if you remember back when T joe tiller took over purdue and started the the basketball on on grass that was it, he always had at least somewhat of a running game that would oh you're gonna just assume we're running it okay we're running a draw play and we're getting 25 there okay now you need to take us seriously and purdue isn't quite there yet they get to that point they could be pretty dangerous so, and what we've discovered here is if Purdue is able to get off to an okay slash decent start, the end really sets up well for them where all the other teams are going to go through it in the last few games. Purdue, if they can get off to a good start, they're in a spot where they can find themselves in Indy. Uh, real quick, Sam, let's run through Minnesota and Nebraska schedules too. That yes. way we can get the And then field. I have something else to say about uh, the, what we were just talking about. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll run through these and then we'll yeah. circle. Um, for Minnesota, the crossover games, they have Rutgers at home. They're at Michigan State, at Penn State. Ooh. That's tough. Yes, That's it tough. is. Once you add a second tough one in there, that, that it makes... And most yeah. teams have that because four of the right. seven are pretty brutal, but Purdue somehow just it, it landed correct for them. Um, excuse me. 
Minnesota against the other Big Ten West contenders, they will be home against Purdue, at Nebraska, home against Iowa, at Wisconsin. So splits two and two with them as well. Um, and let's take a look at Nebraska's schedule real quick. Their crossover games, Indiana uh, at home, at Rutgers. So Nebraska doing okay here so far. Mm-hmm. And then at Michigan. At Michigan's tough, but the other two are doable for Nebraska. And and last but year Nebraska had Michigan. Yeah, of the of all of those schedules, I would say it goes Purdue, Nebraska from easiest level of obviously because they don't have that second tough one. Yep, I agree. And it's good for Nebraska because last year their crossover games were Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. That was <laughs> that was not fair. Um so the and for the Big Ten West other contenders for Nebraska, they have Minnesota at home. Uh, they have Wisconsin at home, but they're at Purdue and at Iowa. So that's that's kind of how the schedule set up. When you take that in, might make you start thinking a little bit differently about this West and how it plays out. I honestly, I, I told you when we started this this talk about it is that was part of the reason why I put Purdue so high is because I knew their crossover wasn't bad. I knew that I was the one that pointed it out to you at the when the schedules got released. I said Purdue doesn't have Michigan, Ohio State, or Michigan State on their schedule, and you're like, really? Yeah, they they dodged it, yep. and so you know that that was a reason why. I hey, I'm not gonna look a gift horse in the mouth if it. There's not going to be any divisions probably after this year. So Purdue's never been to a Big Ten championship game. Honestly, don't think that they ever will if they don't make it this year. Why not? How many other West teams haven't? Illinois hasn't. Illinois hasn't. Well, Nebraska hasn't. Nebraska has. They have. They've been to the Big Ten championship game. It wasn't a part of the West Division, but back in the Leaders and Legends Day, they got rolled by Wisconsin. You know why? You know why I didn't remember that is because it wasn't worth remembering. The Leaders (laughs) and Legends divisions. I'm talking. I think Wisconsin scored seventy in that game against Nebraska. I don't remember that. How long ago was this? That had to be 2014, is my guess. Hang on, 2014 Big Ten title game. Where? I'm so confused because I have no <laughs> recollection of that. Let's see. Uh, you didn't no, dream it, did you? No, 2014 was uh, Ohio State rolling Wisconsin to get to the playoff. That's right with Cardell Jones. Yeah, where they 40 to nothing or something. Zero. Oh, 59. Yeah, it was like 40 to nothing at the half. So what year was it? It must have been 2012 then. Hang on. We're, we're pulling up a championship game history. Nebraska's be been along in the Big Ten that long. They got in in 2011. I'm getting old, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember Penn State joining the Big Ten. Woo! 2012, Wisconsin beats Nebraska 70 to 31. So it wasn't like a 70 to three drubbing or anything, but it was pretty bad. (laughs) Wisconsin scoring 70. Holy cow. Right. That's, (laughs) excuse me, that's kind of. And another great Badger back, the MVP was Monte Ball. I forgot about I forgot about ball. Jeez, Louise. Um, okay, so for West teams, Nebraska's so, made it, Wisconsin's made it, Illinois, Iowa's Purdue. made it, Northwestern's Illinois. made it. So has I'm Minnesota? Minnesota has not. So it's Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue as your three that yeah. still need to make it from that division. Sorry, Minnesota. Hope you guys don't make your first appearance, but a team from the West does. <laughs> All right, you want to circle back to your point before we hit halftime? Oh, what I was gonna say is if 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 it works out, these brutal schedules for these contenders in the West, if, you know, 
who would have the better chance of beating Ohio State, a beat-up Iowa team or a beat-up Minnesota team who had to go through this ringer or a Purdue team that had to go through such a a cupcake schedule to end the season? Who would be the one that you would say, okay, they have a better chance? I don't think either one of them will beat Ohio State, so don't take that away. But I'm just saying which one of those would have a better chance. The uh, the thing is, if you were going to beat Ohio State last year, as we've seen, it was you had to run the ball effectively on them, and, and you had to stay there on the scoreboard with them. Their offense was so potent. It was the number one offense in the country. The only thing you could do was run the ball against them, and that's what Michigan did. Hassan right. Haskins scoring five touchdowns, five or six yeah. touchdowns in yeah. that game. To, to beat them in the, in that rival at the end of the year, like you had to run the football. But now that Ohio State has gotten a new defensive coordinator in, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, I'm not exactly sure how it looks. I'm not exactly sure where the weaknesses are. But if they're if they're able to sure up that aspect, I don't really know where the Achilles heel is. And that's kind of the danger heading in. Last year, you kind of knew after week one and you saw Mo Ibrahim with, what, 200-some yards before he got hurt right. in the third quarter against him to kick off the season. You're like, hey, this is where you get him. This, this is how you do it if you're going to do it. Um, I don't know where that is now. And if you take a look at the Phil Steele uh, position unit rankings, mm-hmm. Phil Steele for Ohio State's defense has the defensive line, the number five defensive line unit in the country. It has the linebacker group number 18 in the nation. Secondary number 14 in the country. That's not a lot of wiggle room to to be able to try and exploit weaknesses. And you don't want to dare look at the offensive side. We can do that on the other side of the halftime break, but it's... I was going to say we're covering Ohio State a little bit here, Dalton. Yeah, yeah. The West... All right, all right. We'll get to halftime, and then we'll come back to it. How's that? (laughs) Well, let's say it this way. I'm going to stay on my Boilermaker train, choo-choo, and uh, just say they're going to win the West. Well, even though I didn't have them winning the West, I still think I'm I'm on the same train as you, uh, of thought as you, when when it comes to uh, uh, Minnesota. You know, I kind of favor them because of that experience they have coming back. Because, honestly, that's kind of – what wins the West? You know what I mean. I mean the yep. most talent, but also the the most seasoned as well. And so, and to answer your question, I don't know what the formula or blueprint is to beat Ohio State this year. So you don't have an we, answer. Well, if, if I circle back and I I rely kind of a little bit like what last year's formula was, it was beating them with the run. I'd say Wisconsin's your best opponent from the West because you have Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, and those two combined for over 2,000 yards last year. And even those guys beat up are going to be probably, we don't know yet, but probably better what than what Purdue can could offer. I would say. I would say so. And that's not a knock on my boilers. <laughs> nope, not at all. But all right. Let's uh, let's hit the halftime break. Come back and talk some Big Ten East football. Halftime. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and Streamyard. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm John, and we host the Beard Owl Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world: beer and Weird Al, and a bunch of other stuff. That's right. Do you like nostalgia? Do you like sibling banter? Do you like beer? Do you like Weird Al? Are you human? 
If you answered yes to any of those questions, give us a listen. Become one of our loyal commenters. Hey, this is Russ. This is Kyle. This is Michelle. From the Infectious Groove Podcast. Join us every Monday for the most fun you can have with a music podcast. The Infectious Groove Podcast uses a positive and fun approach as we take time every week to share our jammy jams, then dig into a thought-provoking topic discussing all decades and genres of music. You can find the Infectious Groove Podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can head to infectiousgroovepodcast.com to find us there and subscribe. We might have a controversial opinion here or there, but we always have fun with it. Oh, I'm sure I'll say something dumb. Subscribe to the Infectious Groove Podcast, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. Second half coming up here, and Sam, look at you rebounding. You got the whistle for the third I quarter. Got, I got the whistle. That's right. Well, <laughs> it all has to do with my mixer on what software or what uh, uh, I could run it on Chrome without my mixer but my mixer won't run through chrome in Streamyard, so that's was the whole issue a couple weeks back where it sounded like i was talking into a stinking bucket the <laughs> whole time and i was giving you grief because you had a little bit of a delay <laughs> yeah well and these headphones weren't working so i had to go to bluetooth and it's just yeah it's just so insane. there's a delay then i get it but uh, like i was just you know giving you slight jabs you know about it and here i was talking into a bucket the whole episode <laughs> That's nice. It's so good. Hey, Infectious right. Groove, real quick. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be a, a guest host on there. They're uh, uh, in a, well, I, I'm recording next week, and I think it's the week pr- uh, afterwards After. that I'll be coming uh, on the show. But uh, yeah, talking some, an Elvis documentary that's on uh, uh, Chrome and, or on Chrome, Jeez. on Prime or and uh, HBO Max, maybe I think I forget what it is. Uh, okay, exactly. But we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, I don't talk about music much, but it's going to be Elvis, Johnny Cash, the Bare Naked Ladies, or Billy Joel. Those are pretty much the that's the gambit. I don't hate that selection. Yeah, it's very diverse. You, you mm-hmm. kind of make yourself around there, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 with that. I'm okay. a well-rounded music. Uh, plus, the Doors are like my favorite group ever. So, like, you throw a classic rock at the top. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. I love Billy Joel too. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing. He's amazing. Is man the favorite, or what's the favorite? I'm sorry. Is is Billy the favorite? Yes, he's the favorite. Is Piano Man the the oh, song? Piano. Oh no 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 no. If no. you have, if there's one that I absolutely love, and it's not the 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 topic necessarily, but it's Summer Highland Falls, and it's about manic depression. He suffered right. through a little bit uh, of a kind of a manic depression type thing, and you know how with that you're really high or you're really low. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can differentiate the two hands playing on the piano, one's playing a really fast upbeat and the other one's down low. So it's basically manic depressive. The song is completely from manic Symbolic. depression. Yeah. Plus the words then go on top of it. It's it, it, And he did it on purpose. And he said it's really difficult to do to play, you know, an upper and a lower at the same time. So you've got to really work on it. But it's 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 my favorite song. Oh, huh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So check out Infectious Groove with Sam Sprunger, our very own. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit of Elvis. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All yeah. right. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> no, don't be. Shameless plug there. Dalton, come on. 
All right, we're going to move to the Big Ten East. We've been talking a lot of Big Ten West in the last segment because the West is maybe the most interesting where I feel like the East has many less questions to be worked out. In fairness, uh, Dalton, uh-huh. the last segment was the West segment, so that's why we talked a lot about the West. That would be accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot all right so as we look at the media poll by cleveland.com for the east division the media as you might guess has ohio state winning it um the media really? likes should we break this news i think so <laughs> <laughs> we might be the first the the media likes michigan number two mm -hmm. uh penn state number three michigan state number four maryland five Rutgers sixth and indiana seventh that's how that shakes out it's not far off from dustin shooties and i don't think if i look at this media poll from cleveland.com yet there is not a single media vote that didn't have ohio state winning the big 10 championship it was completely consensus across the board ohio state beats whoever they play in the west that's where they kind of separated but everybody likes the buckeyes to move on and then go to the playoff there's no shock there <laughs> no at all Dustin had Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, and IU. And I think that's the the only bit of intrigue or mystery heading in is people don't really know if they should do Penn State 3 or Michigan State 3. And that's what's interesting. Can I go out on a limb? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb because I'm going to give you my top seven. Oh, um, okay. I have, shocker, Ohio State. Um, Michigan State, number two. Penn State, Ooh. number three. Okay. And Michigan, four. So why are you not as high on the Wolverines as everybody else? I'm not saying that they won't be good. And mind you, again, I reserve the right to change my mind 47,000 times if I so choose. But right now, my feeling is, is they've got so much to replace that it's too much for them to replace in one season. So I think... They're going to find some struggles. They're going to get nipped, whereas last year they did the nipping or yeah. winning. You know, they're going to be on the other side of the coin uh, on a couple of those situations, and they're going to end up with three or four losses, and it's going to be enough to put them fourth underneath Michigan State and Penn State and obviously Ohio State. And it's interesting, too, with Michigan. I'm curious to see how the drama that has surrounded the quarterback position, yeah. some of it, justly uh i'd say a lot of it unjustly if if that comes back to cannibalize the team or if the team is able to persevere with that in mind because Cade mcnamara comes back after leading michigan to its first big 10 title in 17 years and there's a large section of the michigan fan base that wants to see jj mccarthy uh kind of the athletic quarterback who uh, they they split some time. McCarthy would come in in special sets mm -hmm. and do different things, um, but they want to see him become the guy. Uh, so I don't know if that drama ever ends up interfering with Michigan. If the if the quarterbacks in the team are able to persevere that, then I think Michigan's going to be pretty pretty strong on that side of the ball because they do bring back Blake Corum as well, as running back. They lose Hassan Haskins, but Blake Corum uh, was the guy. Uh, I mean, they worked off each other, but Blake Corum had racked up the yards in the beginning part of the season before Haskins kind of took over. Uh, Corum kind of went down in Big Ten play. Wonder if that happens again this year uh, where he's going to be the dude. So we'll see that. But if you go to the Phil Steele unit rankings, the offensive line for Michigan is ranked the top 
offensive line in the country. That's a game changer. Sure. And, and like I said, I'm not doing, I'm not basing my fourth for Michigan in any way, shape or form other than that's just how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I, no, that's, I, that's fair. You, they could have, a, you know, they're, they're going to have maybe a Kenneth Walker the third style of running year, maybe, you know, to where, but granted, it's going to be the line, you know, to where they're going to be lights out running the ball, but maybe McNamara struggles and then they have quarterback issues. And we all know if the quarterback issues, or if there's quarterback issues, it can disrupt what's going on with the, with the unit. I mean, it just, I mean, if they can't figure that out, then I might be closer to right than people saying they're going to finish second, maybe beat Ohio state. You know, I, I don't, of course, I don't know many people that are saying they think Michigan can get two in a row. Well, are there many teams that people would say they're going to get two in a row against Ohio state? Seriously? I don't think anybody would say that about anybody from the Big Ten. Like it would have to be in Alabama. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, and even then, you're like, well, this year could be the year where, you know, I don't know. Michigan's entering um, by some publications top five in the country is what their rankings ending up being. Uh, Real quick, let's take a look at that schedule. They were number five when App State beat them in 2005, too, though. 2007 seven that's what i meant (laughs) but oh oh, yeah that guy okay (laughs) that's what i meant i knew it was seven i did i got married in 05 we could uh yeah we can relive the app state win that's uh that's one of my favorite football memories um but uh michigan schedule for crossover games from the west they have nebraska and illinois at home they're at iowa so that's how the michigan schedule lines up you know what getting the crossover schedules <laughs> from east going west aren't as brutal it's not nearly they're as not scary nearly, they're not <laughs> nearly going hmm, maybe we should maybe we should look at when they play the other teams in their division well so and and if we look at the the east division they have penn state at home that's october 15th then it's a bye week and then it's home against michigan state so you get two Ooh. of those at home with a bye week in the middle. Yes. And then of course at the end of the year you go to Columbus which sounds like a death sentence based on how mad they're going to be about last year. Um but that part in the middle really helps out Michigan. Yeah, that's a that's fortunate for them. I didn't realize that was part of their schedule. I'm not saying they'll win either one of them or both of them. I'm just saying, you know, that that helps at least it helps at least say you're you you have a better chance to split them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you stumble against Penn State, but you have a couple injuries, you have that bye week to get healthy. And Michigan Michigan State comes into town, and there's a better chance than not that they they could win that or they'll win that because they're healthier. They've got a week's rest. Michigan State maybe comes in a little nicked up or whatever you know well michigan state's coming off a bye as well i mean they knew what they were doing with this schedule oh so there is two weeks of smack talk back and forth little brother it is going to be insufferable on (laughs) twitter.com in the middle of october it is going to be rough just go to the Twitter Twitter. (laughs) um but for for michigan state that's an interesting one too because uh, the, the Spartans come in and by the way, to, to cap off the Michigan stuff, 
Uh, the special teams unit also ranks number one in the country, according to Phil Steele. So that's something to keep in mind as we move forward to. They, got- uh, they didn't a few years back when they tried to punt the ball <laughs> when they were getting tackled. Oh, Sam's playing all the hits. This is my delight, <laughs> man. This is my wheelhouse. Um, but for Michigan State, it's uh, it's it's interesting because you don't have Kenneth Walker back this year. And what Kenneth Walker III did was – unbelievably special last year. We've talked about that. He won the Doak Walker award. He's one of the best running backs in, in all the country. Uh, but for Michigan state, uh, the, the thing that really stands out to me is last year, the team kind of overachieved and it's not that they were bad, but they won some games that they probably shouldn't have to get to 11 and two. Yeah. And you, you wonder if any of that reality sets in this year and you don't have uh, K nine to kind of erase some of those things. I think it's a really, really great team. 11 wins though. I'm not sure if, if Michigan state um, will grasp that, but I think this is a team that's a solid nine and three. I, I think that's a very fair mark to put on them. Eight, four, nine, three, and uh, you, you kind of go from there, but that hasn't um, changed from when we talked about it a couple of a months ago. You still feel that that's a pretty solid, accurate evaluation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, and, and you know some things. You you bring back Peyton Thorne, who's thrown more touchdowns in a single season than any other Michigan State quarterback in history. Mm-hmm. It's better than Kirk Cousins, Connor Cook, the year he put up last year. You bring back Jaden Reed as top target. You got some other players like Malik Carr at tight end who transferred in from Purdue. He's going to be solid. You got some other good receivers that are going to step up. You have faith from what we heard that uh, Jarek Broussard, the Colorado transfer, is going to be a big boost in the running back room. You can't replace K-9, but that he'll be able to carry some of that load. Defensively, the front seven looks great. You have Jacob Slade on the interior. He's getting national recognition. The linebacker core ranks seventh in the country, according to Phil Steele's rankings. The secondary is the big one because the secondary last year was the sore spot for the Spartans. Uh, Pass defense, 14th in the Big Ten. 130th in the nation gave up 325 passing yards a game. Now they bring back Xavier Henderson. Uh, they get a couple of transfers in Amir speed comes in from Georgia and he seems like the tallest man that's ever stepped on a football field. When you look at him out there in the secondary, <laughs> I think he's like a six, three corner. Does I mean, is he like huge. Merton Hanks? You remember Merton Hanks uh-uh. real tall, lanky, but Oh my goodness. One of the best when he played. So you you have some talent back there. It'll be about kind of shoring up that back yeah. end. I think Michigan State's going to be in an okay spot. Uh, for Michigan State's crossover games, real quick, home against Minnesota and Wisconsin at Illinois. And, and for the other East teams, uh, home against Ohio State, but at Michigan and at Penn State. I can tell you one thing. Those three top contenders other than Michigan State, if you have to go there, that's a difficult place to go. Like, Mm -hmm. what, probably top five of all venues in the Big Ten, probably easily, wouldn't you say? Maybe Camp Randall on the west side, but everywhere else on, like, those top four contenders are probably the top four or five in venues to go to. I'd say five. Wisconsin should be in there. Wisconsin should be in there. And and I was not horrible, but it's not as disruptive as what Camp Randall can be or the other four uh, in the East. Whew. Tell you what, that's brutal. 
Michigan State's got it pretty brutal there with the, yeah. those three. And, because and that's what, granted, they come off the bye, but they have to play Michigan after the bye. Even though it's you said it's at is is it at Michigan? Is that what you said, or is it Michigan. at home? So it's at Michigan. So Michigan hosts Michigan State after a a, a bye week. That's tough for Michigan State. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's that's hard. Yeah. And and that's what when we talked with Phil Steele, that was one of the first things that he had to say when he goes Michigan State number four, and and you ask why, he goes the schedule. He goes, I do not like the schedule. So. Well, um, the, the two the two difficult crossover games over in the West is Minnesota and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So those are those are tough games to to play, especially, yeah, yeah, especially since I say Minnesota is going to win the West. Right. Well, let's take Even a look at I think it's Purdue. <laughs> let's take a look at Penn State real quick because they bring back Sean Clifford at quarterback for a mm-hmm. sixth year. Um, so you have a little stability there. You lose Jahan Dotson. He's a first-round wide receiver draft pick. You lose Jaquan Brisker, who is a, a big prospect for the NFL draft. But when talking about James Franklin, he thinks his Penn State defense is still going to be really, really good. Um, the Penn State crossover games, home against Northwestern, home against Minnesota, at Purdue. So that's how that shakes out for Penn State. And, and the other East games, I'll, I'll go over real quick. Uh, they have Ohio State at home, at Michigan, and home against Michigan State. I would say they have the – well, we're, we're all taking this with a grain of salt because we think Ohio State's going to probably be undefeated and all this. Yep. Take it Ohio State out of that. I think Penn State's got the easier track with their crossovers yeah. and with their with their the way they host the other contenders. Yeah. I would agree. So, uh it's still I don't know. I th- I don't know. I just think Michigan State's going to o- overperform from what we talked about in the you know a few mo- a couple months ago. I think Penn State will be as good as people think they are, but I think Michigan's going to falter a little bit and just having too much to replace. And I'm not banking on it, but I'm saying there's probably a chance there's going to be a little bit of disruption with the quarterback. Um, And I may be way wrong. Maybe McNamara rips it up and is, uh, you know, aces, but uh, I don't know. I just see that it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, I like the sound of of Michigan State number two. So we'll we'll see how it all plays <laughs> out uh, for Ohio State real quick because I, I know we're yeah. running a little heavy here. Um, crossover games for the Buckeyes. They have Wisconsin at home, Iowa at home. They will be at Northwestern uh, for the other East teams. They have Michigan at home. They have Michigan State on the road, and they're at Penn State. But the thing about this Ohio State schedule too is. The first five games of the year. Now, keep in mind, they're, they're going to kick off against Notre Dame. That's going to be a big one in Columbus. But the first yeah. five games of the year for Ohio State, at home. Home against Notre Dame, home against Arkansas State, home against Toledo, home against Wisconsin, home against Rutgers. That's how they start. Five straight home games. So it's not that they don't leave the state of Ohio. They don't leave home. Correct. <laughs> Until October convenient 8th. for them. October 8th at Michigan State. That's their first road game. Well, maybe there is the the one. They have eight home games this year, Sam. Eight home, four road games. Out of 12. Games. Oh, my. <laughs> hey, you know what? Let's make this a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're really good, but our head coach now, 
He just lost his first Big Ten game. He's 23 and one. He's got an overall record 34 and four. We need to make this a little more favorable for you know what? We're being rough on him. Let's <laughs> let's take it easy on him this year. Jeez. Does that mean next year there will be eight road games? I think not. Yeah, no. Are they playing and, a home and home against Notre Dame? It was that the agreement? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, next year it'll be at Notre Dame Stadium, maybe. I think so. And and again, credit because you schedule Notre Dame like that's that's a tough game. It's a challenging game, but five straight home games to start the year is woo. Well, they that 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 was their justification is we're playing Notre Dame. Let's take the next month and put ourselves at home. Yep, that's kind of how that works. Arkansas State? Are you kidding me? Come on. Um. So real quick, we talked about Ohio State's defense in the last segment, so we won't rehash that. But offensively, you bring back C.J. Stroud. You bring back Jackson Smith and Jigba. You bring back Travion Henderson. If you look at the Phil Steele position group unit rankings, Sam, get a load of this. The quarterback position, the quarterback unit in the country, Ohio State ranks number one. Running back room, the running back unit ranks number two in the nation. Wide receiver unit ranks number two in the country. The offensive line unit ranks number three in the nation. Every single position group is a top three in the country. It's too much. Is there any other offense in in the country that ranks like that? Let me take a look. Because I would, with that, that would be, I mean, Great offenses can make up for a little bit lacking in defense, but you know what? When it gets into the playoffs and stuff, the defense takes over a lot of times. And if Ohio State's shored up anything in their or their their shortcomings in their defense with rankings like that in their on their offense, good lord, watch out! There isn't another team that ranks top three in all all categories. Insane. So it's it's a lot to to take in there in Columbus. Um, it's so, almost unfair. It's like video game, like setting. They're playing like, on it, freshman mode. I and went in else. and put the sliders up to ninety nine for my <laughs> team, and I'm drubbing any. And you know what? Maybe they do get beat. I mean, it does happen. But you know what? I'm not holding my breath for it because you know what? I might be holding my breath an awful long time. We've seen it happen. We've seen Iowa pick them apart in an mm-hmm. undefeated year. We've seen Purdue pick them apart. Yep. We've seen Michigan beat them last year. But you nailed it. I would not hold your breath. The talent that sits in Columbus is just simply too much, and it's going to take a lot of things happening just right for Ohio State to collapse, to not not just lose a game, but to lose the Big Ten. Like It, it, it would all yeah. have to connect. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did. when I asked you that question, I had no idea of those offensive rankings, and you said that they were, you know, they were brutal in the aspect of that's a really good offense. But like, it's going to take the perfect storm for Ohio State to lose once. When you lose Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you're supposed to hurt. That's At supposed to be something you feel. You can't lose two first round receivers and go. Hey, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who just caught for 350 yards in the Rose Bowl game. Get in, man. You're number one now. And I do oh, believe here comes it was Marvin Harrison Jr. and everybody two top else. Top 11 picks. Like they were back to pack picks, and wasn't it yes. 10 and 11? I think I mean, so. I, seriously? First yeah. round? Like that's not the 13th, or that's not the 11th pick of the third round. That's 
the 11th pick and the 10th pick. And they're they're I don't know that they're going to take much of a of a downgrade. It's it's an offense that scored 46 points a game last year. And we're talking about that they are probably on par with that again are going to be better. Think about this, Dalton. This is an offense that I would say is probably going to be better than what it was last year. And game the game I was concerned about again for Ohio State was the Purdue game. I went and shaved at 7-7. I shaved, went in to look at the game, and it was 28-7. It's like so, 10 minutes. so quick. And then Michigan State the next week is down, what, 56 to nothing at the half? It wasn't quite that bad, but it, it was, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, it was, it was like bad. six or seven touchdowns. I think the first quarter they had 28. Yeah. I mean, you just sat there and it felt like an entire game in the first quarter where you're like, oh, okay. Like it's when I, it's when lot. it happened to me after I shaved, I rewound it and just watched and went, no, no. it's so effortless. And it, and it was one of those that Purdue doesn't run the ball. Well, they had to throw Ohio state started taking advantage of that and was really good at making forcing turnovers. And they put four touchdowns in about 10 minutes, real time. Yeah. Real time, not game time, real. (laughs) And, and we're talking about them being that way again. So I I think everybody, yeah, us here on the podcast, I think it's even Ohio state being the favorite, including with all the rest of the media. Um, Yeah. But there's there's a look at the Big Ten West and East here in this show. We've I know we've went a little heavy, so we'll break real quick, come back with the fourth quarter and get our headlines before we say goodbye. Fourth quarter headlines, Sam Sprunger and the Sam oh, Sentinel. Yeah. What stands out to you? Well, I've got to take the overlay off so I can blow us oh, up here. Here, let me filibuster a little bit more while you continue yeah, to produce work. Uh, this is a part of the show, if you're new to the program, where we go ahead and pick something that is, is shame on you, as Sam whispers, uh, <laughs> that we you pick something out that has stood out to you that, that maybe caught your fancy throughout the week. So Sam Sprunger with the Sam Sentinel. What is the headline? I'm going to Nebraska. Okay. Going to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska man hits X throwing target from 90 feet for world record. Wow. Yeah. Uh, July 27th. uh, This is from uh, UPI.com. It's where I get all my odd news. This is kind (laughs) of odd. Um, A Nebraska man broke a world record by throwing an X for 90 feet away at the Cornhusker State Games. Uh, Jesse Rude, he's a firefighter. He attempted the Guinness World Record during the opening ceremonies. So it's like an Olympic style uh, okay. uh, ceremonies, maybe at uh, in Lincoln. And he said that he actually practices and hits the target from over 120 feet away. So wow. it took him three times, uh, his third chance. And what it, he had to do is he had to hit the axe inside the target. He hit the board, but he didn't hit inside the target on one of the other attempts. So he got it just inside, so it registered as a world record. He said he'll probably try it again to extend out the uh, the record. But my goodness gracious, I can't even throw an axe, and he's throwing <laughs> it ninety feet with with some accuracy. Uh, but Jesse Rude of uh, Nebraska, a, a Lincoln firefighter. So congratulations. And um, if uh, I, I, I'm dumbfounded, I I, I love ironic or odd 
headlines and this one was like threw an axe 90 feet that's like running <laughs> home to first and he hit it accurately well that's i was thinking football terms just because we've talked football i'm like 30 yards man that's, yeah that's a lot yeah I, that's I, incredible i don't i I, I, I'm amazed by absurd, uh, you know, feats and not taking away from anything from this, from him on this, but it's an absurd feat. Yeah, that is yeah, a, a good absurd, absurd feat, but absurd nonetheless. <laughs> so that's, that's the Sam good. Sentinel. Whoops. Wrong. Uh, there we go. The Dalton daily. We're, Dalton we're ready daily. to go. Uh, so my headline, it's going to be short and sweet, but, uh, Camp Randall, we've referenced Camp Randall a couple times, Camp Randall stadium up there in Madison, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. home of the jump around. It's, uh, getting a, a, another name attached to, uh, the, the environment, the scenery there in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, that's one I didn't know about until the big 10 media days when Kevin Warren had announced it, the field at Camp Randall stadium will be named after Barry Alvarez course head coach for wisconsin and as you said earlier yeah. yeah he absolutely uh changed the program back in the 90s and he he took the podium when he first started as the head coach was introduced for a really bad wisconsin program and said buy your season tickets now because you're not going to be able to before long and he made good on every ounce of that word completely reinvigorated the wisconsin program and it still is one of the powerhouses in the Big Ten because of the work he laid, the foundation he laid three decades ago. But it's being uh, tributed, saluted at Camp Randall Stadium. It will be Barry Alvarez Field. Thought it was a great honor, well-deserved, and uh, a good way to pay respect to a Big Ten legend. Yeah, Barry Alvarez. I mean, I mentioned him earlier. It's, I mean, that's a true thing. Like, he, he – they were a dumpster fire. Yep along with Purdue and, uh, you know, others, I won't drag other teams in it, but Wisconsin was <laughs> the drag. Like that was this, the game on the schedule when I was growing up. I'm like, Ooh, we could win that one. That was the one, you know, yeah. that and hoping that we could beat IU, you know? So, um, he did a lot to change Wisconsin and, and turn it into a power. Like it's year in, year out. You're wondering what's wrong with Wisconsin if they're struggling, you know what I it, mean? It's, it's usually the one you chalk for the West just yeah. by rule. Anymore. Yeah. By default. And then can somebody pick Wisconsin off? And that's, I still think it's kind of the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good on him. I like, I love, I like Barry. So yeah. uh, I, I wholeheartedly uh, think that's a great thing. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, Sam, before we get out of here and say goodbye, let everybody know where they can find us. All right, we're going to do it quickly. If you look at the bottom of the screen, you can find all the different ways. We've got Big Ten Plus Four on Facebook, at Big Ten Plus Four. Spell out the plus, don't, don't put the sign. Spell, spell, spell it, it out. Big Ten At Big Ten Plus Four, find us on oddpodsmedia.com. We're on ASAP Network. We stream every Friday, and I did it. Boom, we can sign off. Look at that. That was quick, efficient, like nice that? sales pitch. Yeah, so make sure you check us out on all those. Uh, for Big Ten Plus Four, again, that's Sam Sprunger. I'm Dalton Shetler. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us, and can't wait to talk to you again soon. See you later.